And just like that, we're going. We're going. We're going. Okay, everybody, we got to catch up on what the past 20 minutes have been because <laughs> Maria and I have spent the past 20 minutes jamming out to classic tunes from like the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. We're talking Fallout Boy. We're talking Audience of One from uh, Rise Against. Just a lot of really good tunes. Maybe you were here for that. Maybe that was right before you walked in. I don't know. I was jamming hard. I was. I came in and uh, it was a concert in here, and I just uh, I joined right in. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the kind of person I need in my life. I'm just gonna not question it, but join right in. Yeah, some classic uh, punk rock. Yeah, a little Michelle Branch. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. We had oh some Bob uh, and Haley Williams. Yeah. Oh man, those tunes always get me going. We were talking so about. Uh, Right before we hopped on, we were talking about why they don't make music like that anymore. And I just, I don't know why, man. It's so good. Yeah, the genre I don't think exists. Like, it, nobody really makes that kind of music anymore. Maybe. I don't know. I, and here's a thought that popped into my head uh, just now, which is, um, you know how Facebook algorithms will show you things that make you mad because you're more likely to engage yeah maybe it's just the type of music we're listening to is is like you know rap and all that stuff is you know has those triggers for you and so therefore you're more likely to listen in yeah that's interesting i was talking about that with my manager at work the other day and we were talking about how different rap is um today than it used to be and um how you know they used to talk about uh, getting you know a little sloshed up at the parties and stuff and and you're so (laughs) you're so pc man can i I say they used to get sloshed up (laughs) i don't know what i can say but anyways Uh, now they just talk about how sad they are and they're popping zannies and and getting drugs and and being depressed and uh, like it used to be fun party music and now like nobody listens like imagine going to a party and they're like p- they put on one of those rap songs that's just like sad and slow and people are talking about like depression and stuff just yeah happen. yeah i don't know that that's crazy but uh the back back when i was at least younger it, it was all about like biggie tupac all that stuff like the classic mm-hmm. yeah tunes and uh that, that rap was it wasn't sad it was it maybe if you listen to the context like if you mm-hmm. listen to changes by tupac that's a pretty like yeah emotional song but what i'm getting at is just they were just they were just having they were trying to articulate the the issues of their culture and it was really good but now it's just I don't know if there really is any culture anymore. I mean, like, you listen to... I don't know if you ever heard Chris D'Elia's, the comedian Chris D'Elia. He's got a, a hilarious bit about Drake and uh, Drake songs and how it's always like, oh, I'm so lonely, me and all my millions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so yeah. lonely in my mansion. <laughs> and it's true. With I my mean, 10 girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to be me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Have okay, you heard Drake. Um, the new guy that's out on the market, Jack Harlow. Is that what they're calling it now? Being on the market? I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> Jack, Jack Harlow? Yeah. He's like a kid and no. he's, he's, uh, he's got curly hair and he's like super nerdy. Um, and I listened to a few of his, uh, like he's, I guess the up and coming one that's on the rise now. And, um, I've listened to a few of his and he's actually pretty refreshingly good. 
I yeah. like his stuff. Yeah, he's got good lyrics, which I re- I really like good lyrics, like good wordplay. Um, just very clever. Uh, so yeah, he's I I like his stuff. But other than that, I don't really listen to any like new music. Yeah. Or, rap for sure and new music per se at all it's fair enough i and it's a little too bad because because i don't even think i listen to any good music that's new i i don't hear that much and and that's not to say there isn't good music that's new there's tons in fact i'm sure there's more than there's ever been but there's also more bad music than there's ever been so it's hard to sift it through i mean you know, say what you will about the past when you, you know, yeah, you used to have to burn CDs and share them with people and, and yeah. you know, work the streets. Yeah, sure. Maybe it was hard and maybe today people have it better. But back then you had to be so good that somebody was like, yo, listen to this CD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My demo. <laughs> listen to because it's like and then you would you would get all your homies and your your boys and you would huddle around a radio and yep. listen to a CD <laughs> and it was like wow that's really good yeah and, and or it was not that good and you were like okay there goes 20 minutes of my life I'll yeah and you listen back. to the whole album front to yeah back. you listen to the whole thing yeah and you, you maybe like you know 20 percent of the songs were great but mm. you know that's all it really took is if you got in front of the right person but now Anybody can put anything they want online. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, I don't remember what the stats are, but it's something like, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of videos are uploaded to YouTube every like second. Yeah, so, I don't doubt it. Yeah. I remember like my first ever audio listening device, apart from like a radio in my bedroom with like my sisters, because I shared a bedroom with my sisters growing up. And we would always listen to the radio before we went to bed. But then my first ever, like, portable thing was this little MP3 player. Um, And I had a tiny little screen, probably, like, two inches by two inches. Um, And my brother would uh, pirate music off the internet and then put... Is that a nano? No, the iPod no. Nano? No, it was an MP3 player. MP3 oh, player, we didn't. Yeah. It wasn't that fancy. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I used to walk to school back and forth to school with my MP3 player, and I thought it was a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember having an MP3 player too before even iPods. Yeah, because the, the iPod was the next thing. iPod was huge. It yeah. was a game changer. I don't think people realize, like you know. It, even back when people were getting um, Blackberries and, you know, uh, I had a, a Xenon, Nokia Xenon, something like that. Or maybe it was like Sony. I can't remember. But my first mm-hmm. cell phone. And I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And then somebody got an iPod Touch. And it wasn't even a phone. Mm-hmm. It was just an iPod. But you could do way more with it than yeah. I could do with my phone. The only thing you couldn't do was talk and text. But then eventually, there were apps for that. Then, I remember that. Yeah, I know. But and and so within like a year, the yeah. apps came out where you could talk and text, and it was like now you didn't even need a cell phone. It was, I know. you know, and obviously now that's not the way. Like most phones are everything. It's not mm-hmm. even that. But it's just so wild how fast everything's changed. And yeah, no kidding. I remember the iPod Touch. Like I remember when it came when it switched from the iPod Nano to the iPod Touch because at school. It's what everyone wanted for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, who, whoever came back from Christmas break and had an iPod Touch, like, they were the shit. Yeah. Like, they were the coolest people ever. Yeah. Do you remember digital cameras? 
Yeah. Those little things that you got and then you like click a button and then probably like the size of a credit card or something like that. Oh, the uh, disposable cameras. No, not disposable. They were like digital. But what? But the size of a credit card? Like, yeah, but like they were like a box. Like Like point and shoots? Maybe that's what they're called. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm not sure. I'm not a... Uh, they're thick though yeah they're thick, thick. oh yeah, okay yeah. i thought i remember those i was were... gonna say <laughs> were you living in the future or what no oh, no they were thick like 3d yeah. um but i remember those were really cool too and those were a huge christmas gift um back probably in like grade three or grade four or something oh, okay and if you got a pink or a blue one that was even cooler and when you go you know play dates with your friends you always bring your digital camera and uh do photo shoots in like the park or something yeah yeah it was game changer i remember cam and i got a, a camcorder it was uh oh. we got a video camcorder and uh yeah that was like the first video thing and that's probably what cam got down got cam my brother down the road of video production because that's what he does for a living now but uh i remember luke linders my buddy and i back then uh, do, making our own music videos <laughs> on my front lawn with this video camcorder. And uh, my stepbrother's coming out and being like, guys, it's time for dinner. And we're like, okay, we'll be in in one sec. Just got to finish this sick chorus. <laughs> That's something I haven't told you yet, actually. And it's, it's going to come up soon because my family will give each other shit for it. But uh, I don't think I've told you anyways, but we used to record uh, like music videos on YouTube as well, like me and my siblings, and we'd actually upload them. And my brother had uh, like a little mixer and um, like a few mics and stuff. And we would actually record us singing to the songs and we would nice. post them on YouTube. They're all like in, in, in a grave somewhere, but uh, my brother kept them and he says he's going to use them for blackmail one day. Nice. Probably wedding video. I think I would quite literally fall over and die. Like, that is not an exaggeration. I really do think I would. I would be so mad at my brother. Really? Yeah, I would be livid. They're like... Really? They're not just embarrassing. Like, they're death embarrassing. (laughs) Oh, man. Come on. Like, everybody's got that thing. I've got the chub and tuck videos on my brother. Have I told you about those? No. Oh, my God. God, so my brother's, there's this thing that was going around online for a while. It was like this video personality on YouTube and he, he had this thing he called the chub and tuck where he tucked his shirt in the front into his pants, but it had his belly like hanging over the front of his pants. Yeah. And then he'd ride up his back and he had a huge butt. So his like... (laughs) butt would be sticking out and his belly would be sticking out and he waddled around the chub and and tuck. <laughs> anyways i i wish i could do it justice for the people that are listening but anyways if you have five minutes and you want to be disturbed deeply youtube <laughs> chub and tuck and you'll be you'll find yourself in a rabbit hole but anyways cam was doing that a lot for <laughs> probably a month and i have many videos of it which you know sorry cam but that's all i'm doing I, you're not getting a wedding speech at your, <laughs> at your wedding cam i'm just gonna do a powerpoint in which i yeah. go through a bunch of slides one to 12 and they're yeah. all almost the same but slightly yeah. different yeah for slides 14 to 16 we'll need the kids in the room to leave 
Oh, wow. I think yeah. you'll be demoted from yeah. best man very quickly. Yeah. And slide 21, everybody, please put on your 3D glasses. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Blu-ray video. <laughs> Everybody's in D-box seats. Yeah. That's too funny. Yeah. Wow. You can't tell me you're not at least a little bit curious as to when those videos are going to come up in your life. They will. Trust me, they will. But, um... I think my brother knows that like shit would hit the fan if he revealed those videos. So, like he he's got to be strategic about the mm. moves he plays. Um, so we'll see what happens. But um, if for some unfortunate reason he has you know X amount of months to live and he sets up like a treasure hunt for you in. <laughs> What? What is this? Oh, come on. It's a morbid example. Well, yeah. But, like, I was trying to think of an example in which he could not be there to, to, you know, uh, face the consequences of making the videos public. Yeah. I think that's the only one I could think of. (laughs) Peter, you're a great guy. I really hope that never happens to you. Yeah, the worst would be if he posted it to, like, Instagram or something and everyone that I know saw them. The thing is, like, we had to live down the embarrassment of posting them when... I think I was probably in grade 6 or grade 7 or something like that. And uh, some people loved it, right? And other... Like, you you know, people make fun of you for it. And stuff. Yeah, of and course. we, like, actually thought it was good. And that's the thing. It wasn't a joke. It was actually... Like, we really liked it and it was fun and stuff. It was... Yeah. It was Chin good. up, walking down the middle yeah. of the, you know, high school mm. hallway, public school hallway. Public school, yeah. not high school. Everybody's like, oh, man, that's her. That's Maria. She's, like, that famous, like, you know... Oh. Impressionist. Doing it was those. more like, oh, that's that girl that has a guitar and likes to sing and can't <laughs> sing. <laughs> and the thing is, I feel like we should have left it. My older sister is actually a really good singer and she plays guitar very well and she's musically inclined. Um, I'm not, but I've always been the type of person that's like a little competitive and if someone is doing something great, I want to do it too. <laughs> yeah. So when I'm like 12 or 13 years old, I, I got a guitar too and I started playing with her and... Um, and we took lessons together and learned, and but we we should have just left it at her because she actually probably would have aced it. But me and my little sister were like, well, we don't want to be left out, yeah, and stuff. So, and we're uh, I, Eva's a great singer, but I'm I'm definitely not. It's not one of my talents. So. Yeah, sure enough, you know, X amount of years later, you found your talent and you're thriving in your own thing, and yeah. you're good to let Eva do her singing and yeah. guitar playing. Exactly. I, th- I think that's so important to get a little more serious is, uh, and it's something that I'll never forget. My favorite teacher, um, from public school told me this when I graduated grade eight, he said, um, you can't be great at everything. So choose like one or two, essentially. I forget what the quote is, but, um, like don't be me- mediocre or average at a ton of things. Just find what you are good at and do that. You well. think? Yeah. And I, for everybody. Uh, well, I think there's a balance to that. I think it's important to be well-versed in a wide variety of things, but you need to have one good thing that you're good at. I really what believe would that. You, what would you say about people that are like commentators or journalists or, or broad like news anchors? People that are, their specialty is knowing a little bit about everything. Yeah, okay, I see that. But then that is their specialty, right? Well, so then they have you know, a specialty. It's not really one thing, though. It's 
Well, uh, I see your point, but I, I just think I'm it's just so important. The pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah um, no, but I, I would agree. I would agree that for most people, it's the the issue now. And you know, I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole a little bit, but the issue now, probably from what I see, is that everybody—not everybody—I'm gonna backtrack because. I'm well aware that there are many places in the world where people can't do what they want. But for many places like Canada, like the US, like UK, most of Europe, mm-hmm. if not all of it, many places in the world, I don't know, there's 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom, something like that. So I'm going to go ahead and say that most places you can probably do what you want. Yeah, I'd agree. And with that comes a burden of choice because you have mm-hmm. you can do anything you want so yeah. people you know and perhaps more and more people from affluent families and affluent neighborhoods are fed that message over and over again you can do you can be anything you want to be and yes. that's tough man trying yeah. to trying to take on that responsibility as a kid and especially we've talked about this especially when that is matched with parents who don't make their kids follow through with things yeah because then you're teaching your kid you can do whatever you want but you're not instilling the more critical part of that which is you have to actually follow through with action Mm -hmm. to become skilled at whatever it is that you want to do and you know it's easy to give up and jump from thing to thing to thing and then by the you know next thing you know you're 20 and have no skills yeah. and are mad at the world because you were told the world would be your oyster and now you got Nothing. zip. Yeah, and to add on to that, I think the reason it's so important to get skilled at at least one thing and be really good at it is for two reasons, and they're related. Number one, it builds confidence. Someone who is good at something is confident about that one thing. And Mm. with confidence comes self-trust. When you trust yourself that you can follow through to do something, to do it well, to show up every single day, to be disciplined, you start believing that what you tell yourself, you actually follow through. Um, And that's basically essentially trusting yourself. And I really think, I listened to a great podcast um, by Dr. Nicole LaPera on that today. And she was talking about how a lot of the issues in today's world um, psychologically are just that people don't trust themselves and they don't follow through with what they say and just in the same like we're flaky on ourselves big time Mm. and we're we're also flaky on other people for sure but i think a lot of people are the most flaky on themselves and when you show up every single day you put in the work to gain skill and to become good at what you do you build confidence and you build self-trust and when you start trusting yourself even with small things you know if you make a small promise to yourself every day like i'm gonna go to the gym every day or i'm gonna you know, drink uh, two liters of water every single day. Those small things start building and it snowballs. And all of a sudden you realize you you can rely on yourself yeah, to, sure. to do shit. And sure. that's so, so powerful. I it's think. really powerful. And I think you touched on a good point because it's, it's, it's really crucial to know that, you know, you'll have family and friends that will help you get through things. And there will always be mentors in your life that hopefully in, in everybody's life yeah. where, you know, you'll have two or three really great ones throughout your career that will show you the ropes. Um, you and I have talked about that a couple times too. We're both fortunate to have great mentors in our lives. 
and they really help you feel confident about yourself and help mm-hmm. you hold you accountable yeah. for the things that you need to do on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis to be a completely different person in a year, yeah. two years, three years, five years. But it's, uh, it does, it starts with you and, and you got to really build on yourself so that you can be confident. And when you have that confidence, it just snowballs. Yeah, It absolutely. starts to snowball and you just, you get on that roll where you ever see a pro do something like <clears throat> when you see soccer players juggle a soccer ball, like it's nothing. They'll mm-hmm. just sit there. Though it can be sitting down and they're just yeah. juggling a soccer ball in the air with their feet. And to the average person, that looks like it's impossible. But to them, they start, they're they just bored doing yeah. it because they're so good and they've done it so much. And all that is to say that even though they've done that so, so much, there's still thing, they still do it because you can get better. And also, you you know, it's it. I'm sure when you're a professional soccer player and they're just playing around like that, goofing around, doing things in practice that probably 99% of the time yield no real benefit. Um, and I'm not talking, I'm obviously soccer players are drilling and performing active practice where they're going through serious training, but there's always times at the beginning and ends of practice where they're just messing around. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's like real play. And that's when you're in that zone of proximal development. And when you're there, 99% of it can be garbage, but you can come up with that one one thing where you're like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, and then, and that's true in anything. If you're messing around, if you're a marketer and you're messing around, and then all of a sudden you come across some new way to uh, organize, you know, your SEO structures on your website, and it, you know, increases your traffic by ten percent. Mm-hmm. That's deadly. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, I don't know, I'm sure there's examples for intact, but all that's to just say that, you know. You need to have that confidence and play around and be okay with being wrong because you're, you're so confident in the fact that you can do the base level stuff with your eyes closed Mm -hmm. that you can afford to. Yeah, exactly. And I think when that's the difference between confidence and arrogance is skill. Um, because an arrogant person is usually not that skilled and a confident person like is confident in the fact that they know their stuff they you know know the ropes and stuff and they don't feel the need to um be like cocky or arrogant because they're just they just know i think it's a knowing um Mm -hmm. and usually an arrogant person is insecure because they don't actually have the skills so they need to overcompensate for their lack um and i think that's probably the difference between the two yeah yeah that reminds me though today i was at the gym and I had, uh, like, speaking on messing around and trying to, like, sometimes you land on the one thing that's, like, great and stuff. And I was in a spin class, and I don't like the instructor at all because um, he's really mean because he makes you, like, work really hard, which is good. Okay. But... <laughs> is he just doing his job or is he being no, a dick he's, about it? He's he's really good. I don't like him in the sense that I should like him, but I don't because he, he's really tough on you. Mm-hmm. Um but in the middle of it, I had this like great idea for a poem and I knew if I didn't stop and write it down that I would forget it. So I hopped off my bike and I got my phone and I put it in my notes and because um, I was tuning him out and trying to like come up with poem ideas in my head as I was on the on the bike anyways. But uh, yeah, sometimes you just got to mess around in your head too and then sure. 
find that one little nugget of gold and not let it go. Yeah, it's key. You, your mind starts to wander too. I That's what I love about exercise. Your mind wanders. When you're really pushing yourself. One, I find every time I'm exercising my... And, and I, I haven't been exercising with my headset in. I just haven't been doing that. Mm. And I, I really enjoy just... They play music at the gym. Uh, but it's not that loud and you can kind of get, you know, with all the, you know, banging and clanking in the gym, you mm-hmm. can kind of zone out. And uh, I really enjoy just zoning out and processing my day because usually I go right after work and yeah. it's nice. But then also I find that many times when I'm exhausted at the end of my workout, I just feel better. I just, mm-hmm. I feel uh, like I'm in control. I feel stronger. I feel as though my mind is in a resting spot and you know everything was just okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think i sympathize sympathize with that too i always feel at the end of a workout especially if i've i know that i've pushed myself um i always feel like pretty proud of myself actually and Mm -hmm. i always thank myself for showing up and for um doing the work um and and then you know on to the next day but um yeah you just gotta put in the work yeah it's key it's key that's going back to just doing it just just doing doing it it. and that's one of the things that is also so great about uh exercise is um and i could be wrong on this but i don't think i am is is one of the only things that has been proven to actually increase somebody's IQ is physical exercise. Yeah, I've heard that too. Those apps, like, uh, what are they called? Open Mind or Open Space? I can't remember. You, you've probably seen them, though, like Orange Circle. Anyways, oh, yeah, just yeah. phone apps that claim to mm-hmm. improve your cognitive function and they're simply just, you know, cognitive mind training apps. And they run you through a plethora of exercises like pattern recognition, word association, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying those are useless. I'm not saying there isn't a place for them. But th- there's no evidence that they work as far as I'm aware of. Or at least maybe somebody's found a way. But I've, I've not heard of it. But it's pretty clear that people that are physically active have a or or sorry i'll restructure my sentence it's it's quite clear that uh what does increase iq is physical exercise and it blows my mind that i was listening to a um, doctor uh podcast today and the doctor was saying that 42 percent of the u.s is uh, obese yeah. or more morbidly obese. That's just obese. That's, mm. you know, on no. top of that is all the morbid. Yeah. They're included in that number, but it's just like, you know, That's to be point. obese is one thing, but yeah. to be morbidly obese to the point where you can't perform daily functions. Is, is that the classification? I'm not like familiar. More, I believe, uh, so obese is just your, your body fat content is too 
so is there overweight and then obese and then morbidly obese? Is that how the I, I'm not I'm I'm no doctor. I'm not sure exactly okay. how it goes. Yeah. But my understanding has always been that there's overweight, which is yeah. you know you're not. And, and and I think that overweight and or obese are typically interchangeable because yeah. like if you're one, you're, you can be technically considered the other. I would think. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what number. Like there has to be some sort of. Yeah. There I has to be so. some sort. Maybe of, it's your BMI. Well, that that's what I was striving for earlier, and I just couldn't find the word. It, yeah. I, I would imagine it has something to do with that. Um, but the difference between being just obese and being morbidly obese, I believe, is uh, your ability to perform like simple tasks. Yeah, like, like getting up the stairs and stuff. Getting up the stairs, using the bathroom, like, yeah. So going and getting groceries for yourself. Obese people can get around, but it's just yeah. difficult for them. But So what did you say, 42%? 42%. That's crazy that's insane that's almost half like think about how detrimental obesity is to your health the risk for your you know heart Heart disease disease, like everything is like exponentially worse so why what what is being done to address this if we just addressed a a virus that you know is 99 percent survival rate why are we not addressing the obesity yeah and the heart disease, it kills over 600,000 people a year in the U.S. Yeah. 600,000. That's a lot. That's a lot. And and that that's consistent year after year. COVID's only been around for... Yeah. Maybe it's killed more, but it's only been around for two years. Yeah. And and that's, that's another thing is, you know, there's so much concern about COVID. And I get it, man. I'm... I'm, I don't even want to have the, that portion of the conversation because yeah. we've all, everybody, we've all everybody's had that conversation 50 times. So let's move on to what the serious issue is, is there are other is- yeah. issues that are being trumpeted by COVID like heart disease, like obesity. And mm-hmm. I, I, another stat they dropped was that over, I think the number was 70, but to be safe, we'll say 60. Over 60% of the people that uh, were in ICUs or passed away from COVID had some sort of overweight issue. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm not sure if that was all of them, if that was in particular areas, but that's what they mentioned was that there was a heavy correlation between death rate from COVID Mm -hmm. and uh, obesity. Well, I think, to be honest, like from what I've read and what I've, you know, studied and, and listened to and stuff, most health issues are exasperated if you're overweight. But yeah. I think when you give yourself, your body is the vehicle, and when you don't treat your body well, it can't function well. And so every issue that you probably have is exasperated, if not caused by your obesity. And mm-hmm. so, you know, but it's a lot easier to, um, to take, a, like medication for your you know your clogged arteries than it is to change your lifestyle yeah um so i think maybe there's some a lack of personal responsibility there there's well yeah it's it's the the medium's in the message man because the message no sorry other way around the message is in the medium because the think about it this way how many uh announcements and that uh the doctor it was so joe rogan was talking about this earlier and i i was listening to one of those podcasts and he, they had a really great point. How many 
conversations or messages has either Biden or Trump made about COVID since the beginning? X amount. Probably daily. Yeah. For years. But when was the last time you heard from them? We have an obesity issue. The, and I don't know his name, but a, a high up member of the U S army, um, I don't know, a, a chief, a commander, somebody ha- was interviewed and I, I really wish I had my laptop here so I could Google these names, but, uh, you can Google it if you want. Just Google U S army representative comments on obesity in U S and it, he classified it as a state of emergency. Like it's national security issue in oh, the U S wow. because they, they have to turn away X amount of um, recruits every year mm-hmm. from the army because they they're not physically fit to, and that's that's scary because yeah. the reason that's scary and I'm not taking anything away from soldiers. Soldiers are incredible people, and I'm happy we have them. Um, U.S. Canadian, what have you? I'm just happy they're there. And uh, if you want to become a soldier, good on you, but. That's a serious issue because not all soldier jobs are hard. There are tons of army jobs that are desk jobs. Mm -hmm. And if you can't even do that, that's an issue. Yeah. Because if if you're not good enough to do that, what makes you think you can go like work at even Wendy's where you got to be moving around and like, you know making burgers and stuff <laughs> is that what uh, they do there <laughs> it's 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 actually pretty hard to work at fast food restaurants i mean i'm i'm not saying that you know you have people from harvard going and flipping burgers at mcdonald's mm-hmm. but you know it, it takes taxing, up it's yeah. physically taxing and it takes a certain amount of iq like there are people that just don't have the iq for working even in restaurants and yeah that's true it, and and that's you know and that's unfortunate because I think we've also had this conversation, which is that IQ is is also one of those things that is typically a fifty fifty thing. Like you're you, most most of it, you're just you're just born with it. Yeah. And and the other the others, uh, the combination of nature and nurture. So yeah, I wonder what our obesity statistics are compared to the yeah States. In like, Canada. I don't know. Let me yeah, like, I'd like quick. to think we're we're doing better, but I don't actually know that. Yeah, I I would imagine Canada's doing much better at the moment it says oh my god is it worse no but it's bad man okay this is this is from the uh canada.ca health info base so this is our government website yeah this is the most reputable source you can get and it says about one in four Canadian adults, 26.6% are currently living with obesity. Wow. Okay. Higher in men, 28% in men and 24.7% in women. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't realize it was higher in men. Yeah. I'm not sure why that is, but, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, it's interesting the way they worded that, though. They said, uh, like, one in four uh, Canadians are living with obesity, not one in four Canadians are obese. Are obese. Because it separates the <laughs> issue from the individual. and That I think, is an issue. Yeah, and that's, like, it's, like, a one in four people are living with acne, like, or one in four people are, <laughs> like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you got acne. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you have acne. Yeah. Like you don't. You're not living with acne. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's that that wording is really interesting. Um. Yeah. There's been like lots of debate about that and whether, you know. About what? Obesity and mm. the age old question of like you know for the the plane like should the person have to buy a second seat or should they not and. Um, oh. Yeah, I've not heard that conversation. Okay, I, what is, I'm curious what you think. So, do you think they should? Should they have to buy a second if they can't seat fit because in the they're first one? so big that they can't fit in the first one? Yeah. Yes. I agree. I agree. It's yeah. that's you're paying for space. Uh, that's yeah. I could see both sides of the argument, but that's yeah. Because if you, Dude, we, we can't slow down for these people, man. You you gotta. There's gotta be some level, and this goes back to the conversation we just had. I kind of trailed off, but how is it that the leaders of a nation aren't commenting on this daily? Yeah, six hundred thousand people a year in the U.S. And but before we go on, I also want to get to the key point I had earlier, which I didn't get to. Which was, let's assume that of that 600,000 people mm-hmm. that can have a myriad of issues from obesity, such yeah. as heart disease, mm-hmm. um, I guess easier fractures and, and injuries, mm-hmm. um, stroke, stroke I'm, I'm sure cancer comes much easier. Yeah. Just, just there's so many bad things. Let's imagine that every one of those six hundred thousand people didn't have any of those issues. Okay, that just being obesity didn't cause any extra problems, mm-hmm. except for the IQ thing. Mm. You still have six hundred thousand people that aren't contributing to mm. the benefit of the nation as well as they could be. Let's say it's only five percent okay it's not only five percent though because it's five percent compounded across six hundred thousand people and that's deadly if you can increase the productivity output of your nation by five percent that's billions of dollars yeah i think when you look at the the net contribution you have to like if we're talking the decrease in iq then you also need to talk about the increase in uh the burden on the healthcare system. Yeah. Like, cause that's huge too. So like when you look at the net, the, the net impact of someone being obese, not only are they burdening the healthcare system, but they're also not contributing their equal share yeah. to society. I would argue. Uh, I would argue that too. And that's, this there's, that's the real time cost of having an issue such as 42% of yeah. obesity. So some because people- you're, because you can, I I imagine that uh, another key point to that would be that solving that issue would only cost like, I don't know, 10% up front of what it costs in the long run. And what I mean by that is if you were to take, you know, let's say that 600,000 people being super obese causes $40 billion in just costs yeah. for the u.s be, to deal with the heart disease to deal with all the you know mm-hmm. all the things that were mentioned before and let's say this to prevent that from happening 
it takes $10 billion investment upfront in education, in making sure that people understand how to eat nutritious meals, yeah. to make you know fitness easily available to people, and, and to make sure that people know why they should be fit, yeah. um, and to implement all those programs. That's a huge opportunity cost you're missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I think though the the issue probably is deeper than just educating people. Um, I think it's just the culture and Canadians are kind of like this too, but I think it's Americans is um, just like lack of of responsibility for who they are, what they do, what they look like, um, and everything is a quick fix. So when you have a diet pill that you can go on. You're going to go on that instead of going to the gym every single day and eating healthy because it's easy and it's quick and it's Mm -hmm. convenient. So I would argue that you probably have to find a way to change that whole culture. Yeah, but in in, I don't I I think it is that for sure. But I think Mm -hmm. it's that I think it's probably one of those things where it's just like there's 50 things contributing. Yeah, I agree. But I, I, I think that one thing as well that that is super important is that it's it's people there's a, there was a study done a while ago where people were given medication and told that this medication is good for you and you should take this medication. And of all the people that were given uh, a part of that test um, and given this prescription from their doctor, yeah, only X amount of people, let's say 50%, uh, actually went and filled the prescription. And of that x amount let's say 50 percent only 20 percent will say went and actually took the medication Mm -hmm. but then that same group of people was given a prescription from their vet to fill for their dog and the number that filled it out and actually gave it to their their dog was like over 80 percent it was overwhelming and the point of the study was people undervalue themselves and they don't treat themselves as though they're somebody they're responsible for helping. Mm -hmm. And like when you look at it that way where you, you know, especially people that have dependents, you have kids, you have dogs, you have, you know, Mm -hmm. a wife and you have, you know, older parents, people that, you know, really depend on you. You need to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. because if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think it's so important to quite literally think about yourself in the same way you do for someone else. Like we were talking before about being flaky to yourself. Like if you were flaky to your friend three times in a row, they wouldn't be your friend anymore. Or, you know, maybe, maybe three is a short number, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And if they are your friend, they're probably not the kind of person you want to be your friend if they're okay with you flaking. But if you flake, you flake on yourself three times in a row all the time and you don't even think anything of it. Mm. And what you Oh, that's a good way of putting it. You're flaking on yourself. You're totally flaking. When you don't show up to the gym and you, you know, you've made that kind of commitment in your head already that you're going to. You're flaking on yourself when you wow. don't like when you don't That's put in put the work to you know do your your journaling and your self reflection and your awareness and your thoughts and all that. Um, you're flaking on yourself. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you're really taking a toll. You're you're mm. you're not showing up for you. It's not good. 
It's not good. Speaking, okay, going back to the, I just had another thought, going back to the obesity epidemic, we were talking about how to actually solve it. Um, I did read an article a few weeks ago, it just brought, it like came into my mind, but some people were saying that they, they want to propose a fat tax in America, like a tax that you pay if you're obese, <clears throat> you pay a, an X amount of tax on I don't know if it would be like a marginal tax rate on your income like we do in Canada or mm. if it's like, uh, you know, a goods and service tax or something like that. But to some degree, you would have to pay more if you're obese. And uh, I guess the incentive would then be to lose weight so that you pay less money. Um, but that fat tax would neutralize your impact on society, which is your burden on the health care and your less contribution contribution to society mm-hmm. i don't know if that's the answer but i thought the intro the article was pretty interesting everyone was livid about it yeah were- well okay well other than the obvious issues with that such as people with real health conditions medical conditions that, yeah, yeah that you yeah, know absolutely. aside from those issues i don't think i i i get it mm-hmm. i really do and i'm not saying my mind wouldn't go there either but if you follow that through to conclusion, you're still not solving the problem, mm-hmm. which is that people want to be fit. Yeah. That's that's if you have a society of people that want to be healthy, that's deadly. Mm-hmm. If the issue, if 42% of people are obese, that's just the people that have ended up there already. That's not including the, let's say it's another 30% that are well on their way. People that have bad habits that are, you know, just haven't become technically obese yet. And if it's 42% of people, and let's let's say it's not, let's say it's like 30%, but it it is 42%, but let's say it's 30. If you have 30% of people, that's one oh that's almost one out of every three people mm-hmm. that's ridiculous and if you have one out of every three people in a room they're gonna come up with so many arguments as to why it's not that bad to be obese and they're gonna so? they're gonna reinforce <clears throat> each other yeah really? they'll be like oh it's not that bad and they'll be like oh you can take these pills and you'll be like oh that's what doctors are for and x y and z and, and really what I'm getting at is, is if you have, you know, and I said 30, but let's go back to the actual number. If you have 42% of people that are obese, you can't tell me that you're going to change the mind of almost half mm-hmm. of Americans. There's too much. Yeah. And that's why I think it's like a deeper issue. It's like a culture. It's a mindset. It's a perspective. It's a, yeah. it's a way of a generational way of life that is become embedded within Americans and you need Canadians. hard times man yeah you need real hard times not these COVID fake hard times everybody <laughs> thinks it's hard it's not it's, it's really super easy, easy. yeah I agree. if you're if you're healthy and fit and you don't have any uh health issues that should you know make you concerned it's really not that bad man yeah I just I don't know like I don't know what the solution is I really don't I think there's a huge problem obviously I, I think what I struggle to wrap my head around is that group of people that you mentioned where, you know, you let it get to a certain point and then, like, people are well on their way. Like, I've always in my mind kind of had, like, and I don't, maybe this is unhealthy, 
someone can tell me if it is, but I've always kind of had like a threshold where I know like this is where my body is good at. And if I go over this threshold, I'm not going to feel good and I don't feel confident in myself. And so it's kind of like a a benchmark of like, this is the weight that I want to be at. And I wouldn't let myself get past that. Um, And if I pass that, which way, either way. Like more fit or less fit? Do you have like an equilibrium you want to well, hit, and then that's that's that or? Uh, not yeah. Well, I've I've never been underweight, so I don't know what that's like. I'm I. Mm. That's a huge struggle for a lot of people too, True. um, just like being overweight is. But yeah, and that's that's another part of the. Yeah, sorry, God. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's okay. I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. So I guess my it's always been in like a top threshold, um, but. Like maybe once you just like let things slide, then you just keep letting them slide, and you know you let five pounds slide, then you let ten pounds slide, then you let thirty, then you let forty, then you let a hundred. I don't, I don't know. Like I just have never really struggled to understand, or I've struggled to understand that how you just all of a sudden end up morbidly obese. Like how, I, how do you just get there, right? Well, I, I think a, a huge part of it is is all of the other things that are structured into the average American life. And I say American, but, you know, here in Canada, we basically just mirrored what they did yeah. um, with some subtle changes. But <clears throat> clearly our more obesity issue isn't as bad. But it's, it's still bad. Yeah, but we're talking about a percentage. So it's, it's really the same. It's You're talking about this. From when you look at it from a percent of percentage standpoint obviously we have way less people that are obese because our population is not anywhere near the population of the u.s but for some reason in the u.s it's almost one out of every two yeah here it's only just over one out of every four yeah and it's not because we haven't been around that long we've been around for a long time maybe it's because we're so cold all the time (laughs) <laughs> that we're, that we're shiver- shaking we're and that's burning the, the fat. I don't know, but yeah, I, I do wonder what the difference is between Canada and um, the states. Uh, maybe it's because we just have so much land that it takes that extra amount of effort to get everywhere. I don't know, but it's there's something for some reason. Uh, I think it's probably a part of our culture. Like I would yeah. say, more so, our Canadians are probably more inclined i think to um you know do the home-cooked meals and value like traditional family sit-downs as opposed to americans um like fewer cities too yeah fewer cities cities are further spread apart right yeah so i don't know if that plays a part in it yeah maybe maybe it does maybe it doesn't i don't know maybe just the prosperity as well i mean like we're pretty that's not i don't think that's it though because Canada's pretty solid i think we're like number 11 for gdp but yeah yeah what was your point before that i cut you off oh it was just commenting on the fact that um we had that conversation okay so let's say 42 percent of americans are obese and another i don't know let's say it's 10 percent are well on their way mm-hmm. okay that's not including all the other people that are on the bottom half of that yeah, spectrum which that which i'm not sure how many there are mm-hmm. you ne- you don't hear about that near as much which yeah. you probably should mm-hmm. um but i think it's probably just more of a scarcity issue i mean like and by that i mean 
if it's one in, you know, almost one out of every two Americans are clearly obese, it's an obvious issue, but yeah. it's much harder to see um, people that, I don't know, what's it called, bulimia? Yeah. yeah so it's it, but being underweight doesn't mean you have an eating disorder like some people sure. like some people have a thyroid issue where they can't gain weight and they're just like really frail and right? i i meant that more as like a it, some sort of explanation as yeah. to why somebody might be underweight and yeah. so let's just leave it at that underweight so yeah um and anyways it that just leaves it at let's it's gotta be under under 50% of the American population is considered somewhat healthy. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah, I agree. That's messed up. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I wonder why no one's talking about it and why no one's doing anything about it. Like, yeah. are people? I, I don't know. It's, I didn't know that statistic until you told me it. Yeah, and, and, what's ha- and I imagine also, this is another thing to consider, is I imagine that number is... Is gone drastically worse over the past two years. Yeah, people not going to gyms. Yeah, people, people eating, ordering in food. People sitting around at home all day. Mm-hmm. Kids not going out and exercising. Sports were shut down for yeah. how long? You can't even go out to a concert where you're forced to stand up around five other sweaty people <laughs> for two hours straight. You burn a lot of calories doing you that. You do. So I don't. Like I, I imagine that the number is, and those are obviously not current numbers because when do we ever get current numbers? But imagine what the current numbers are. I wouldn't be, I would be shocked if they weren't like close to 50%. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that either. And you know, it's, I'm obviously we have an issue here in Canada too, because you know, and you know, 42% is bad, but 26%, that's no picnic either. And that's way more than I thought. Mm-hmm. And also, we have a public health care system. So that's kind of like at least in America. That might be a part of it too. They're private health care. So like you kind of pay for your own thing. So if you know, you're know you obese and you have lots of medical issues, you pay for that yourself to some mm-hmm. degree. Lots of people have insurance, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, in Canada, it you know everyone bears the brunt of that. And I think maybe also it, it has something to do with the fact that when you have a system such as in the US, you have sure a, a large middle class, but you also just by sheer n- amount of numbers have a lot of people that are close to the poverty line and can't mm. afford good food, so they're yeah. feeding their kids I don't know grits all day every day yeah. and whatever it is yeah i guess i guess it's sometimes pretty easy to to say like well these people need to take personal responsibility but the logistics of that can sometimes be really challenging yeah not that i don't think it's possible because i the most fit i've probably been um like not from a physical standpoint but from a doing some physical activity every single day as a habit has been during a pandemic like, mm. I got in the habit of every single day on my lunch going for a run. I'm not doing that anymore because it's cold and I'm going to the gym, <laughs> it's, which is an excuse, but I, well, you're I'm going to the gym, though, going so the gym, so it's okay. But anyways, like, I, I really stuck to it every single day in the summer, and that was during a pandemic when the gyms weren't open. So, same time, there's, you know, there's, there's a will, there's a way, I think. I think so, too. And I think that that's, you know... Not to toot my own horn. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's important to toot your own horn if if you, if you're an example of of 
what could be. And I, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying that somebody that's fit is fit. That's, that's seems to be a good thing. In fact, let's encourage more of that. How about you do toot your own horn? Because people (laughs) will see like, yeah, like, you know, she's pretty fit and she's proud about that. And she should be proud about that. What's so wrong about being happy about the fact that you're fit? Especially because it sometimes can require lots of work, it, lots of hard it work. It does, I think, for most people. Yeah. It, it's a lot of work. And, you know, and it maybe it's only, you know, 30 minutes a day for some people. Maybe it's an hour and a half for others. Mm-hmm. But you can pretty well guarantee that everybody that's over the age of, like, let's say 20 that's fit works at it. Yeah. And I just say that I'm not saying that kids that are under 20 are naturally fit. Some people aren't, some people are, but I think your metabolism starts slowing down when you reach that, you know, your twenties and thirties. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you have to start getting strategic about how to like push yourself too. I find. Um, so <laughs> something that I've started doing is whenever I'm running on the treadmill, I purposely go beside someone who's running pretty fast because like something in me can't run slower than them i just can't do it like i'm not mm. a loser i'm not I'm about not to lose <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so like it's really good motivation though like, i don't yep. stop until they stop <laughs> yeah that's like that uh will smith quote put me on a treadmill with somebody else and uh they're getting off that treadmill first or i'm gonna die on mm-hmm. that treadmill <laughs> and that's damn straight that's the mentality you gotta have <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's so, it's so important, man. And then, and you know, and I guess this brings it all the way around and back to music. Cause it, it, if, if you're one of those people that's struggling to, to get fit or you just can't find the motivation, put on your favorite songs, Yeah. put on, and you know, I'm a big believer that motivation, um, has its place. But it's nothing compared to drive. Yeah, and, and, and you, habits, I think. And habits, for sure. And drive, I guess, is what builds those habits. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, and there are different things, too. And then you get, it, when you combine the two, you get grit. And that's, <gasps> oh, boy. Oh, that's and one when, of my favorite words. <laughs> and when you get grit, it's deadly. If you're yeah. a gritty person and you can foster that i don't care who i can feel you are. that word when you say that word i can like literally yeah. feel it like, it's ugh. it's uh and it's shivers. it's it's funny because when you say this guy's driven you get the i don't know about you but i get the picture of somebody who's like you know getting up they go to work uh they you know are, are pretty extroverted probably you know they're they're working really hard at something. When when you say somebody has good habits, I imagine somebody that folds the laundry and you know mm-hmm. preps their meals and you know goes to the grocery store rather than eating out all the time and in that. But when you say somebody's gritty, you get I don't know about you, it is but an image. I I get an image of just the ideal person from in everything standpoint like people with grit are oftentimes the nicest people Mm -hmm. they're super kind they're fit and they're not just fit they're like clearly physically attractive yeah they're and that that naturally implies that they're they have good habits 
They're mm-hmm. always sharp. You're yeah. right. Their brain They're, is like quick. It, it works. And and that's another thing too is is bringing us back to the IQ thing. Yeah. You can't tell me that IQ isn't related to physical fitness. Uh, yeah, sure. People are born with higher IQs and yeah, sure, you know, good habits young in life can can also foster a higher IQ, but god damn, man. Being physically fit and eating well, that will do wonders for your brain. Yeah. Do you know what your IQ level is? I know what my range is, yeah. Do you? Oh, I want to know. I've never like taken a test or anything. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to take it again cuz I think typically you're supposed to take it uh one two-ish times. It doesn't change per se, but mm-hmm. you have a spectrum. Oh, okay. Because when you test, you could get like let's say you get 100, which mm-hmm. is baseline. That's like the average person. Mm-hmm. If you get 100 one day and then but you you were low on sleep and you didn't really eat that well the day before yeah. yeah you know and then you take it again after you've had a great sleep and you've been you know reading a lot and exercising and whatever um then you end up with uh what would be a you know probably a higher iq like 107 so it is a spectrum um, people do fluctuate between the spectrums, but you have your, your typical range yeah. when you're, when you're studied and then that's, that's, that's what it is. But you, you, yeah, I'd be so curious to see what mine is. You should do it. I think everybody yeah. should take their, and here's another thing too. I, I think that if, you know, if you have a high IQ, sure, be proud of that. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you? There's no difference at, that's something you have that's good that you can do good with. Mm-hmm. That's a tool. Yeah, I you agree. should use that. It's like somebody that's born seven feet tall and you know three hundred pounds. That person has a really useful tool that nobody else has. Yeah, absolutely. They should use it. They might not have the highest IQ, or the, if they do, then they're just like a metahuman, <laughs> and that person should have a lot of kids and contribute to the future yeah. of our race. But, They're just the best. <laughs> but but if you have a high IQ, please stop bragging about it. That drives me crazy because A, you were born with it. Mm-hmm. You didn't do shit. <laughs> you were given it, okay? That's and and maybe not all of it. I do believe that, you know, and there's some literature out there that suggests that there there are things that you can do to increase your IQ, such as um good nutrition when you're young, being physically active. Having a uh, well-structured education, all those things, sure, they contribute. But for the most part, you're a boner with it. So, so stop maybe bragging I, about maybe it. I shouldn't take a test because if I have a really high IQ, I'll be tempted to brag about yeah. it. <laughs> well, you know, I I think you should. I think everybody should. But you know, this comes down to another conversation we had, which was uh, I think that everybody should be tested on almost everything. And, and okay, not everything. I don't think we've had this conversation. Really? Okay. So this is, <laughs> Let's get into maybe it. I had this conversation with somebody else. Maybe I had it with McQuaig. But, um, so I am of the belief this would cost way too much and it's a dream. It, mm-hmm. I, I really don't see this happening anytime soon, if ever, because it's just so complicated. But imagine how deadly the world would be if each person was tested for their, you know, had blood tests where they could tell what they're lacking, what vitamins they need, Mm 
mm-hmm. um, what kind of nutrition they should have, when they should eat, what their circadian rhythm is, so when they should be sleeping, yeah. how much sleep they should be getting, what position they should be sleeping in. Some people sleep on their side, some, pe- some people sleep on their back. Um, and then how people learn. If, yeah. if people are tested to, uh, are you a verbal processor? Do you learn from you know reading and repetition? Um, you know, all of those things. If you, you know, what kind of body type are you? How should you exercise? Um, mm-hmm. you, are you super smart? Great. Mm-hmm. You know, are you things oriented or are you people oriented? Because mm-hmm. if you're people oriented, you probably shouldn't be in tax. Yeah. But if you're be. things oriented, you probably shouldn't be a nurse. Yeah. And, and imagine how great the world would be if everybody knew how smart they were, how they could make themselves smarter and better technically. I mean, from like a technical standpoint, mm-hmm. if everybody could active practice with all that stuff, man. See, I, I agree, but I think there there's definitely some holes in that. Because it reminds me, to be honest, of like a dystopian movie or something. Where sure. Because I think the uh, let's say the they found someone who had superhuman abilities or something, or mm. they were just extremely smart. They're gonna take that person and like you can't just let them loose in society. So like if this was something that was implemented by government, um, the ability to pick and choose your your armies, to pick and choose your you know your workforces and stuff i think that could be like pretty dangerous and i i, I think we're on different wavelengths <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to like do you think this would be something that everyone would do or it's just like if you want and, to and you and like i said at the beginning this is a dream but mm-hmm. it and it, i don't think this is practical yeah at, at, in any sense um but it's just an imagined thing yeah. and i'm not talking about making super soldiers yeah. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, having super, a bunch of superheroes out there either. I'm just saying if you could make each person 5% better mm-hmm. by testing them when they're young for what kind of nutrition they should be having. Yeah. And then for the rest of their life, they don't, you know, go through life not knowing that yeah. why do you feel shitty? Maybe it's because you're eating bread. You Maybe it's because you're not eating enough carbs. Maybe it's because you're eating red meat and you shouldn't eat too much red. Or maybe you should be eating red more. more. That's what I mean. Yeah. I I'm not talking I, about I, like... I think that's something that each person can do. Like you, yeah. And, and should do. Like you should figure out but how you, gotta, you feel best and like how you, uh, you know, like... Yeah, they should. Kind of but you got to understand not everybody, A, has the time to do that. Imagine a, a single parent that's like has three kids. Yeah. But, how, uh, how are you going to make time for that? But, and, and, okay, but and, I have and a they, counter-argument to okay, that. Okay, sure. If those three kids all require three different special diets, how are you going to accommodate to three special diets? Because yep. you're talking about specialization and special, like creating special things for people, like learning styles. What if you have 10 kids in a classroom and they all have different learning styles? How are you going to teach 10 kids with 10 different learning styles? Yeah, and so the, when it, this goes back to when I said this was a dream and okay. not practical... <laughs> That's why I said that okay, because I, I am well aware that it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and, you know, but it's a what if. And I think there's some utility in what ifs, especially the grandiose ones, because they hold an essence of truth, which maybe we're not sitting, you know, pairing off one teacher to one kid so that each yeah. kid can get. And maybe we're not making sure that each 
of those three kids to a single parent has their own diet. Mm -hmm. Sure, maybe not. But the point is that if we can start to learn how each individual person can be a little better. And I don't remember how this particular topic came because we were talking about um, IQ. Oh, we were talking about IQ and Mm -hmm. making people better. And I think, I think, you know, I was about to say, I think it's obvious that everybody wants to get better, but it's not, it's not obvious that everybody wants to get better. Maybe they don't, but I think there's real utility in trying to imagine a world that's better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, that's why I said there's, it's an absolute dream. It's way too Mm -hmm. grandiose. It's not practical in the, I'm, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, and and there's a there's a good reason for doing that too. But you know, let's not shoot it in the foot and let's say, hey, let's, you know, we're just talking about forty two percent of the U.S. is obese. Well, maybe the conversations like this that are grandiose are what's going to stop start fixing that. Yeah, I mean, you know. that's a food issue. So if we have the conversations about how do we start making it affordable and widespread where people can learn what's better for them and, you know, try to spread the message about why they should want to do that in the first place. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think more and more technology is coming out to do like greater in-depth testing like that. Like I know, uh, you can get your brain scanned now, which, um, a lot of, doctors don't do before prescribing uh, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication so if you can get your brain scanned and they can quite literally measure where you're lacking and what you're lacking and if you are even lacking um so i think testing in general is a good thing yeah i think so too and i think it should be done more and more and i think that's how you get data to make observation and then the scientific method right yeah and i think i think it's key and i I'm, I'm really, ever since the Enlightenment, I think the world's been getting better and better. And uh, I'm really happy about that. Yeah. And, and Are you referring to the book that I am reading? Enlightenment Now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I got to that part yet. <laughs> well, it's, um, the Enlightenment, it's a pretty well uh, documented thing. It's, you know, it. It, I think it, it's in our curriculum at some point in high school or public school. But really? I don't think I ever learned about it. Yeah. Uh, if you were in science class, like a general science class, the history of science, it probably came up at some point. But okay. I, if, I, I, won't, I won't touch on it then because I don't want to ruin the book for you. Okay. But it's, it's basically where it all starts. Basically, the, mm-hmm. you know, scientific method. So yeah. it's, it's really cool. Um, ever, you know, and I'm a big fan of the scientific method. Yeah. I think that science can answer a lot for humans and, uh, our potential. And I think that the more we keep cracking at, you know, all of these different fields of life, like fitness and health and, uh, education and this, that, and the other thing that will get better and better, but you know, yeah, there's like, I think we're slowly starting to pick up the pieces faster and faster and like put the puzzle pieces where they belong and come to conclusions and draw conclusions. And, um, like maybe, maybe in 50 or a hundred years, like we'll have solved it and obesity won't be a thing. That would be phenomenal. If we could all be like super fit and healthy Mm -hmm. and 
at our like imagine if the world was at their prime hmm. wow wow and that just comes back to you make if if you were to make the everybody on earth one percent better mm-hmm. tomorrow the world would be eight billion percent better that's crazy i can't even i can't fathom that like i can't wrap my head around that that's not it's not even it's incredible yeah and it's and it's you know again super grandiose and it's but, a pipe dream, but it's... But, it, but really, when you think about it at the individual level, like, I think in one year, I've made myself 1% better. Oh, so, yeah. So, like, if everyone makes themselves 1% better, like, all you have to do is look out for yourself and make yourself 1% better. It starts with the self. That's... The individual. That's, you know, that's the one thing the Christians got right, I think, is you got to start with you. You got to yeah. start with the self, and that's that's the that's the proper place to start, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's there's just there's so much potential out there, and I think that um, you know the world is getting better and better. Um, there's so many things I want to talk about, but every time <laughs> I get on the topic of the world's getting better, I use sources from that book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I was just about to talk about Norman Borlaug, and you know. Um, you know, uh, Edward Jenner and, you know, I can't. Okay. We'll save that. I'll quickly read the book. It'll yeah. take me two weeks. And then, <laughs> uh, cause it's a pretty heavy one. It's a, it's a thick book. book. Yeah. And I, I'm, I have a hard time following his writing style. So. It's tough. It's not easy. It took me yeah. a while. Um, so I'll give it a few weeks to read it and then we can have another one where we talk about Sounds it. Sounds like a plan. We could do like a little book, uh, book review or like book, book chat club. yeah <laughs> the um, nate and maria book club <laughs> yeah the book club of two <laughs> yeah. where we just borrow did you read your books. chapters this week no <laughs> mate you had one chapter yeah <laughs> yeah mm. well good chat yeah that was good yeah thanks everybody for tuning in um I've got a bunch of orange slices here that need to be eaten, so we're going to boogie. Yeah. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye.